Welcome to a special edition of In Conversation With. I'm Philippa Harris, the Deputy Editor of The Lancet HIV, and today I'm talking about a series jointly published by The Lancet HIV and The Lancet Healthy Longevity on Ageing with HIV. My guest is Amy Justice from Yale University in the USA, who led the series and along with co-authors contributed a paper on delayed presentation for HIV care in older adults. So we really hope you enjoy reading the series. And now to talk to Amy. Hi, Amy. So thank you so much for talking to us today um, about your series, Aging with HIV. So as we know, older people living with HIV, you know, we see higher rates of multimorbidity um, compared to the, the general population. So how have advances in the biology of aging helped us to understand, you know, understand this? And also, sort of conversely, what has HIV taught us about aging? Well, first of all, thank you very much for the opportunity to talk about this uh, series. I'm very excited about it. I, I very much feel that it is a two-way street, that uh, the biology of aging has been elucidated very nicely by a number of geriatric and gerontology projects, uh, pointing out that biologic versus chronologic aging are different phenomena, that not all 70-year-olds are alike, concepts of frailty and how frailty and resilience are important concepts when you're thinking about multimorbidity and aging. Certainly, we can borrow a great deal of insight from that prior literature. But on the other hand, people who are aging with HIV represent a special population. They are distributed throughout the world. They have special concerns, including sexual orientation. Uh, they are experiencing a chronic viral infection, sometimes multiple chronic viral infections, such as HIV and hepatitis C. Inflam aging is a concept that HIV really illustrates. It's not unique to HIV, but it's a very important central concept and may be played out slightly differently in HIV. And the role of past and continued substance use is very much a central issue in aging with HIV and has perhaps not been explored as effectively in the general geriatric literature. So I very much feel like HIV brings important new insights that are relevant not only to the folks who are aging with HIV, but also uh, insights that can lend uh, new information to aging more generally. What challenges do older people with HIV face in regards to healthcare provision? And, and what, what sort of things can be done to kind of counteract this? Well, I think that there are challenges that are exemplified in HIV in a way that are true in general, but perhaps not as carefully considered. And that is the specialist versus the primary care or ger geriatrics focus. HIV is a disease that will kill you if you don't take antiretrovirals in very short order. So clearly HIV is still a very important consideration in clinical management. Yet once people are successfully on an antiretroviral regimen that suppresses their virus, Frequently, that recedes in prevalence of the thinking of the providers and of the patients, yet it can't be forgotten. And that's what gets to be challenging. I've had many infectious disease doctors say to me, is there some point in the care where it's appropriate for me to transfer the patient back to generalist management? And I think that's a very tough question. I, I think really we need to be thinking about team management and very effective communication between the HIV specialist and the generalist, whether they be a geriatrician or a primary care doctor, because almost every aspect of management needs to keep in mind that this is a patient with HIV on antiretrovirals. 
And that's where it gets to be very tricky because there are major silos in many healthcare systems. The United States is a great example of that. And it's sometimes very, very difficult to keep those lines of communication open. So I think that is the central challenge. It's again, not unique to HIV, but it is particularly germane to HIV. I wonder if there are any sort of examples you can give of, of good practice where you see these sort of um, multidisciplinary teams, you know, working really well together. Yes. So in in the VA system, healthcare system, we have a national electronic record, which means that people can communicate very effectively between specialists and generalists, and everybody sees the same medication list and the same problem list which I think is a very important beginning to that communication. Further, most HIV clinics in the VA system have a pharmacist who is resident in the clinic and often health, mental health providers, substance use providers, so that we can give a more comprehensive care within the HIV clinic. So that's one approach. The approach would obviously have to be tailored to every different healthcare system and their special resources and requirements. But that sort of thinking of how do we how do we optimize communication is I think the central issue. And I think it's so important to particularly involve pharmacists because obviously polypharmacy is something you must be having to think about a lot when you've got someone sort of you know taking a trip viral therapy constantly, you know, that just kind of adds another medication into the mix. If, um, if I can just add to that because there are usually three antiretrovirals and many of these antiretrovirals do interact at least in some ways with other medications, people aging with HIV experience polypharmacy, which is defined as being on five chronic medications at once or more. They experience that event 10 years earlier on average than people who do not have HIV. So they're living with polypharmacy for a full decade longer. And we're only really beginning to understand the implications of the problems of uh, drug interactions, interactions with substances, interactions with genetics. Uh, and it's particularly important in this population to get an understanding of that. So your paper um, in the series focuses on late presentation for HIV care, which is, is seen more frequently in older people. So, I mean, it might be a good idea just for sort of non-HIV specialists listening and just to outline sort of what you mean by late presentation for care, but also, you know, why are older people more likely to present late for care? Thank you. This is, I think, a very important issue. Uh, late presentation is usually defined as people presenting with lower CD4 counts than the normal CD4 count. So a CD4 count of 350 cells is considered clear indication that this person has had HIV for an extended period of time. So anyone who presents for care with a CD4 count of 350 or certainly with AIDS-defining conditions is felt to have had delayed diagnosis and presentation for care. And that's problematic for two reasons. First of all, those individuals have been living with probably burdensome symptoms for a period of time when they didn't really need to be, they could have been treated but also they are infectious before the virus is suppressed. So the chance that they could infect others uh, is much higher if you don't get them into care in a timely way. So there are two really important reasons to try to get these people into care. Late presentation is a concern in HIV in general, but it's particularly a concern among older individuals who are much more at, at greater risk of presenting late for care. 
estimates range from twice as likely to four or five times as likely to present late for care, depending on the healthcare system and the particular circumstances. And this is for several reasons. The indicator conditions that are sometimes used to decide to screen people are not unique to HIV. And so among older individuals, providers can often think of many other reasons why this individual might have that particular condition or symptom rather than immediately thinking of HIV. For example, oral thrush is, is a great example. Older people can get oral thrush for other reasons. A younger person who presents with oral thrush, more providers would think of testing for HIV earlier on. And, and the list is actually quite long, including cancer and, and many other infectious diseases. There is also the issue that providers don't think about an individual older than they are having sex. And of course, uh, a sexual exposure could have been even 10 years earlier than when the patient is pre presenting. But in an older individual, providers do not think of HIV because they link HIV with sex. Of course, older people do continue to have sex uh, and they want to talk about their sexual health with their providers, but are often shy about raising this topic themselves. They would prefer that the provider raise it in a non-judgmental and discussive way. There are other reasons to raise those issues, among them simply the problems that older people have with having sex, including vaginal dryness, erectile dysfunction, et cetera, and the fact that there are ways of addressing those issues with, with patients. And then one could introduce also the idea of taking precautions against HIV transmission. Sexual minorities in particular, have sort of a triple uh, issue of stigma, ageism, HIV, and discrimination about sexual minority status, and may be particularly uh, reticent to raise issues with their providers that need to be discussed. So it is very important since sexual health is a quality of life issue for us all. And what are the interventions that can help to facilitate an earlier diagnosis um, and also uh, antiretroviral initiation in older people? I think that there are a number to be considered. Universal screening, regardless of age, is something that I think the time has come for. Yet it is clear that older people are not screened nearly as frequently. Uh, six, there's nothing magic about 60 or 50 years of age. People who are older than that may well still have HIV and need to be screened. We need to increase access for HIV self-testing so that, that individuals who are worried about privacy issues can test themselves and then choose where to get their health care. We need to make discussions of sexual health and substance use much more routine in older patients. We must not make assumptions that are no longer valid. This aging population often continue to use substances, not only alcohol and tobacco, but cocaine, marijuana, etc. All must be considered. We need to recognize HIV indicator conditions and consider them as a possible HIV indicator when others have been ruled out among older individuals. We need to use electronic health records and decision supports to prompt screening because many of the providers for whom we need to do the screening are not focused on HIV. Their primary care providers are geriatricians. And so if there was a computer prompt in the electronic health record, that might help. And quite honestly, we need to consider PrEP among those who are at highest risk. Just because somebody's 65 years old doesn't mean that they shouldn't be considered for PrEP especially now that PrEP on demand is increasingly uh, being considered as an option. And so sort of coming to the end of the, the podcast, so as people with HIV you know, continue to live longer, you know, you've, you've highlighted there are 
lots of areas really where, where we could be improving and um, the way that clinicians interact with older adults. What's kind of the data that we're missing? What are the key research questions you'd like to see answered? And, and also the, the key shifts in the way that, that healthcare policy currently works. Well, my focus is very much on clinical research as opposed to policy research necessarily. But from my perspective, I think mechanisms of harm from polypharmacy uh, to inform more effective interventions, to what extent is it the number of medications, to what extent is it drug-drug interactions, to what extent is it other potential influences like substance interactions with medications. And of course, understanding better how ARVs behave in the context of polypharmacy. We have almost no research on that yet. I think another issue is the optimal management of multimorbidity in the context of HIV. These issues that we were talking about, communication between the specialist and the generalist, need to be worked out. We need to think about how to target screening interventions to those who are older. Most of the universal screening interventions that have been implemented have really been focused on younger people. And older people may, may not respond to the same messages. We need to think about what the messaging should be to older individuals. We need to think about alternatives to medications for bothersome symptoms to try to counteract polypharmacy, exercise both aerobic and strength, abstinence from substances, and social engagement that are all issues that could help decrease the number of medications that people need to take, especially for symptoms as opposed to treating um, conditions. And finally, we need to improve the communication, as I was saying, between the specialists and the generalists, and think about team management approaches that are most effective in particular settings, like we were talking about a few minutes earlier. Well, that's fantastic. Thank you so much for talking to us today. And um, we really hope that everyone listening enjoys reading the series. Thank you. Thank you for this opportunity. So thank you to Amy, and also thank you for listening. Please do take a look at the series homepage, which you can access at www.thelancet.com forward slash series forward slash aging hyphen with hyphen HIV. And we'll be back soon to continue the conversation.